we're in the middle, kind of in the middle of our summer series. We have the whole month of August ahead of us. But in, in this month, we have been working, and we'll finish next week, with the first part of the Gospel of John. We've been doing a survey of the Gospel of John. We are dividing the book in two sections, as it is kind of naturally divided into two sections. The first section, which is the, the book of signs of glory, the book of glory and signs of Jesus, Jesus revealing His glory to the people around. And then the second, uh, which is from chapter 1 to chapter 12 or 11, depending who you want to read. And then the second part of the book is called the book of signs, I mean the book of glory, where Jesus is going to show His glory through His actions as the Lamb of God. And, and, th and throughout the week, uh, throughout th this month, we've been reviewing some of the things. Uh, we have a Bible study that follows this, this, this hour, and we gather there to, to go deeper into the things that we study here to find that some verses are missing in some versions and others are extra, you know, we, we, we get, what? Yeah, just come and find out. <laughs> what do you mean? What kind of Bible do you guys have? It happened. One sister was reading the Bible and she said, wait, what's wrong here, Pastor? I, I, my, my Bible, <laughs> Barbara, dear Barbara, she said, my Bible has verses 1, 2, 3, and then it goes to, to, to verse 5. And Miss Linda says, I got verse 4. So we got it all together. We had the whole thing, but we had to put it together. It was an interesting Bible study, and we invite you to join us in the hour to follow after here. So in our first Sunday discussing this, we saw that Jesus' first sign, as Jesus is revealing His glory as the one who came from God to reveal God's glory as the one who was the Word with God and was, the, and was God and was with God and was God and came to live in the hood with us. This Jesus is now manifesting His glory, and the first demonstration that we saw was Jesus' power over the elements as He turned water into wine, as He ushers the kingdom, as He has powers over, over molecules and elements, and as He ushers the kingdom with the wine of gladness. And then not only that, but He's also the one to fill up our empty vessels. Not only with mere water, but with the best of the best of wines. Last week, we surveyed three stories. This was interesting. We surveyed three stories of healing and wholeness. I call them stories of healing and wholeness because the healing was usually the vehicle for the sign who Jesus was. The healing was not the center of the entire episode in the three stories. The healing was the vehicle. The healing was the platform for which Jesus then said, I am the light of the world. I am the new life. And I am the one who forgives you and gives you a new life. We also discover how Jesus has power to heal and offer a new way of life as he healed a lame man, freed him from his sickness and oppression of traditions. Lastly, we also explore how Jesus has power over darkness and how He is the light of the world and He can give light to the blind who was blind from birth. He now sees, He now has a new vision, He now has a new purpose to go forward in life. Jesus is revealed as the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing in Him you will have life. And this life is eternal. That is the purpose of the whole book. The purpose of the Gospel of John is to point to Jesus as the Messiah, as the Son of God. And that by believing in the Messiah, who is the Son of God, then we will have life and life eternal. This week, I want, I, I want to talk about two stories which are found in chapter 6 of the Gospel of John. 
But before I get to the two stories, I want to read the scriptures, which basically has the center, has the core of everything that goes on in that chapter. That chapter is very complicated. It is rather long. So it starts with verse 1 and finishes with verse 70. So I think by 2 o'clock we should be finished. Okay. <laughs> what? <laughs> we won't. We'll finish on time. But this is the core of the whole argument when Jesus, in the first part of the chapter, manifests his glory with two signs, two miraculous signs. Then there is a transition where Jesus goes from one place to the other, and there he has a series of arguments, dialogues, and discourses explaining the meaning of the two signs. Now, in the service today, I will deal with the two signs. In the class, we will deal with the dialogues, the arguments, and the discussions. But this is the core of the whole chapter. This is the core of who Jesus is saying who he is. So listen to and for the word of the Lord as I read uh, from chapter 6 of the Gospel of John, verses 32 to 35. He's already in this section arguing with some of, the, uh, some of the Pharisees and leaders of the temple because they're saying, how dare you say that you're the bread of life if you don't even know Moses because Moses gave us bread. Huh. Jesus wants to clarify the record. We've been hearing a lot about clarifying the record. Jesus wants to clarify the record, and he says, and Jesus said, I tell you the truth, Moses did not give you bread from heaven. My father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, give us that bread every day. And Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. The word of the Lord. The whole core of the entire chapter is summarizes in one basic statement. Listen to this. It's very difficult. It's a very profound statement. And, and, and it can be complicated, and I don't know if you will be a Christian after you hear it today. But listen to it. And I want you to, to repeat it after me. Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ. is sufficient. Is sufficient. I'm going home. <laughs> oh, I can't. The bosses are here. <laughs> All of you. Jesus Christ is sufficient. Jesus Christ is sufficient. Jesus Christ is sufficient. Jesus, no. <laughs> These stories that we're going to hear about are also found in the Synoptic Gospels. What is that? Well, these stories are found also in some of the book, in the Gospel of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So they are not unique to John, and they are not unique to any other Gospels. However, John does something rather different in both stories. 
John, again, is not preoccupied with the idea of the miracles happening and, the, and people being wondered and bewildered and amazed and enthusiastic about the wonders that Jesus can do. That's not John's concern whatsoever. John sees behind the, you know, he sees through the hype. He sees through the, through the emotions. He sees through all of that that may cover. He sees through the culture. He sees through it all. And John is going to summarize these stories in such a way that he's going to remind us as we read other gospels what he's referring to, but it's not the same meaning as the other gospel writers may have. You see, Jesus Christ is sufficient. For John, both stories are shorter, and they emphasize the glory of Jesus and not so much what's happening with the disciples. Both stories are pointing to the sufficiency of Jesus. This chapter begins with the feeding of the 5,000. That's the first story, the feeding of the multitude, the feeding of 5,000. The Scripture says men. However, we also know that there may have been some women around there. You think so? You think there may be some children? Of course. So now that there's not only 5,000 people, 5,000 men, now we have a multitude of perhaps, let's give every man one wife or no, just, let's just give half the men one wife. Rather, we have 7,500 altogether. And if we give three children to those two, you do the math. That's why I became a pastor, so that I don't have to do the math. But there's a multitude that is there, and interestingly enough, if you, if you read the Gospel of John, of John alone in that story, you get the impression that these individuals were there just for the fish and the loaf. That once they were fed, that it was okay with everything else, and they didn't care for it. Actually, the reason why they were there that John does not tell us, the reason why they had gathered there is because Jesus is finishing preaching the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew and Mark tells us that when Jesus was finishing this, you know, his teachings, people followed him. And they followed him out to the outskirts of the city to listen to the Word of God, to listen to these words that are coming from God, to listen to the one who may be the prophet, to listen to the one who has words that comfort my soul and my spirit. And they followed him. So these individuals are showing some level of spiritual hunger, and they follow Jesus to the wilderness to learn more about Jesus. John doesn't give us that detail. We get as we read the other Gospels, and we get all the witness of what actually happened, of the limited witnesses that we have. It is immediately followed, this story is followed immediately by Jesus walking on water. Yeah. The dude walked on water, he didn't use any waiters or anything, you know, any big stuff like that, you know, revealing his glory again. In the first story, Jesus uses the bread, the feeding of their physical hunger also, as a sign of his glory. So the gift of grace in the first story is a vehicle to show Jesus' glory. In the second story, it's the other way around. Jesus, in the walking over the water, manifests his glory as powerful walking over water, having power over all the natural elements. And his revealing of his glory finishes with satisfying the need of the fear and insecurity of the disciples on the boat when he boarded the boat. 
So both stories satisfy the need that humans have. Both stories feed the soul and feed the spirit. One with spiritual needs, the other one with physical needs. Now, how do you individually satisfy your hunger? Because you see, every individual in this world has that hunger, has that thirst for the divine. And we either deny it and, and, and seek after things in the world, and basically we just become enamored with money and with stuff and popularity because that gives us glory to ourselves. We either deny our spiritual need and satisfy with many kinds of things, or we're honest with ourselves and realize that our hunger can never be satisfied with my TV watching, my reading, my traveling, my stuff. And it can only be quenched. It can only be satisfied with a person of Jesus who satisfy. So the crowd is so satisfied that they recognize the uniqueness of Jesus and, 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 and they want to turn him into a, a king. Isn't that so human? Jesus feeds the 5,000. They're satisfied. They are rejoicing. And what do they want to do? This is what the other Gospels don't tell us. This is why John focuses in John that 6, 15 and says, And the crowd got excited and they wanted to turn him into their king. How broken. How human. That we take God's bread of life, God's divine, and we want immediately to make it into politics. Don't turn into a king. They were turning into politics. Oh my goodness. They were trying to satisfy their need, and they go ahead and they go ahead. And this is what I mean by domesticating God. This tendency that the people have of experiencing is so human and so broken that we take the divine and domesticate it to fit our world and our experience. To satisfy our need and our pleasures, our convenience and our desires. You know how I know that? Because even though this crowd began with a desire to learn more about the Word of God, once they were satisfied physically, it seems that their spiritual hunger disappeared. Notice that I said it seems that their spiritual hunger disappeared. Now they wanted to turn Jesus into a physical, earthly king. And Jesus flees quietly. He disappears. So the crowd receives a spiritual blessing in word and bread, and they want to turn it political. They twisted and translated the power of God and God's grace into human categories. Not seeing the glory revealed, it seems, it seems that they may have missed it. You see, in this story, Jesus takes the gift of bread that satisfies not only our physical, but he also takes the spiritual gift of bread that has been feeding the people with his words. Because Jesus Christ is sufficient. Uh, they saw Jesus as a giver. How do you see Jesus Many of us, when we come to, to, to Christ, we have the tendency to see Jesus for what Jesus can give us. Right? And that's not bad. Because we were hungry. 
We were thirsty, and Jesus supplied that need. But then, do we stay there? You see, in this story, Jesus revealed his glory. Jesus reveals his glory by satisfying the physical needs. But there is something more than just our physical needs. So do we only see Jesus for what he can give us? Because if we do, we'll always want more. We'll never be satisfied. But, should you see, but if you should see Jesus not only for what he can provide, but for also who he is. The bread of life. Listen to this. Not a bread of life. Not a focaccia. Not a, a sourdough. Not a French Cuban or, or pan sobao. That's Puerto Rican talk. Not a bread of life. The bread of life. They will satisfy our hunger, will satisfy our needs, will be sufficient because Christ is the Son of God, the giver of eternal life. So Christ is sufficient. Quickly, in our second story is when, when, when Jesus walks on water. Jesus disappears from the crowd who wants to make him king. He kind of flees away. He goes over to Capernaum. Actually, his disciples also don't know where he at, so they get on a boat. They get on a boat to go across where they, he went across to Capernaum. So let's go follow him. So the disciples get on a boat, and they head out there. When they're on the boat, again, this is a synoptic story. We see the whole picture when we look at where the story shows up in the other Gospels. John has no mention whatsoever, not even an inclination, that Peter walked on water. None whatsoever. John doesn't mention it. John doesn't mention that the disciples were, were actually, you know, seeing a ghost. John doesn't mention that the disciples saw a ghost. John simply says the disciples got on the boat to go to the other side. And while they were on the boat, while they were on the boat, they saw Jesus walking on the water. And listen to the words that Jesus said. This is amazing. He freaks out everybody there. They were in panic. They were in fear. The sea and they see a ghost again. We only know that it was a ghost because Mark tells us that they thought it was a ghost. Not John. And then when, when Jesus sees the disciples and the disciples see Jesus on the water, walking on the water, he says, and calls them out and says, do not be afraid. I am here. The Gospel of John has seven typical I am statements of Jesus. Those are what we call the statements with a predicate nominate. Forget about that. Meaning that the statement I am is followed by a statement of, 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 of a, a word that describes the verb. Okay? And there are seven of them that are directly nominative, and they are, I am the bread of life, I am the truth, I am the resurrection, I am the good shepherd, I am the light of the world, I am life, I am the door, I am the bread of life. But if there are seven of this directly, I am this, there are seven also, James, that are non-predicate nominative that says, I am. And while there were fear and in panic, I am the words 
of God when God is introducing God's self to Moses. I am. And this I am is now walking in the waters. And guess what he's going to do? He got on board the boat. He got on board the boat, and their fear was dispelled. Their, their, their concerns of the storm was gone. They are safe and secure from all around because Jesus Christ is sufficient. Two stories we have shared this morning, one with physical and spiritual needs, one of fear and panic. Two stories we've had this morning, one with emphasis and need, I mean, one of emptiness and need, one of helplessness and powerlessness. Two stories this morning, one of spiritual and physical provision, the other of safety and assurance. Two stories, one for the multitude, one exclusively for the disciples. One took place before the multitude. One took place exclusively before the disciples. Remember I said that I, I wonder if these people really just abandoned, you know, the, it seemed they had lost their spirituality. I'm going to not agree with that. What I think happens is God changes our appetite. Can you see that? When it was only about paying my bills, now it's about helping others. And when it was all about satisfying myself, now it's about giving to others. When it was only about me, myself, and my family, now the community has become my family too. Two stories, both of satisfaction, both needs met, and both God's gifts of grace, quenching our hungry and our thirst. Two stories both saying Jesus is sufficient. How hungry are you? And what are you hungry for? I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty again. The word of the Lord. <laughs>